episode four, we're here to give you some more. This is Just Vibes FC. I'm Kamal. I'm Saif. Evening. How you doing, Saif? I'm good, man. How you doing? I'm all right, bro. I'm all right. Before we jump into our our usual shenanigans, let's uh, let's start by taking a minute to thank everyone for the support thus far. As always, I'm very much appreciated. Definitely. Thank you. Uh, and, you know, same principle as always. If you like it, continue to listen, continue to support. Follow us on Spotify, subscribe on Apple, leave a review. We're on Instagram now. Uh, the, the Twitter is just vibes FC. The Instagram is just vibes.fc because someone's already taken that account, haven't they, Saif? They have, man. They have, sadly. But it's only a dot. We can get it's by. It's only a dot, but it's, it's annoying. It's so, you know what? <laughs> to, to, to the main just vibes FC account on Instagram, if you're listening, Dear Lord, just vibes FC. I, I hope you're. I hope you're happy. You ruined what my Instagram account. <laughs> what a what sad, sad little. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, mate! Big up to that guy. Big up, big up to him for getting to it because I think he literally signed up to the account a couple of days after we started doing all of our stuff. So you know what? Good for him. Oh man. Good for him. Uh, but yeah, let's jump into it. Southampton post-match, the game was on a good few hours ago. We took a break to watch the mm. Spurs game as well, but let's focus on the Southampton game. Saif, give me your initial thoughts. Mate, <laughs> what a game. What, what a game. game football. Mm. What a game. Um, so firstly, I want to start off with the first 20 minutes of the game. Yeah. And obviously, we were, we were talking throughout the game. And that those 20 minutes um, of, of that game were the best 20 minutes I've seen us play all season in the league. So it's it's probably off. one of the best starts to a game I've seen us because we've been notorious starting really slowly in recent games. You know what I've noticed as well? Like ever since Oli's taken over, right? We 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 sort of have this um I don't know, this intention to to um to press, right? Press um press from the front, deep mm. in the opposition's half from the very first minute. However, um historically we have not done that off beyond the first 10 minutes or five minutes, whatever it is. Bruno sort of does it by himself. Rashford sort of does him half-heartedly. You, you see what I'm saying? It's not a proper <laughs> press, uh, not a systematic press from the uh, the eleven players on the on the pitch. Yeah. Whereas today, I felt that we pressed them very nicely, and it wasn't mm. just five ten minutes. It was up until the twentieth minute mark. Obviously, we will get to what happened later, but the first twenty minutes of football were the best football that I've seen um, United play this season in the league thus far. It so, was, it, yeah, it I was. Go on, sorry, go on. I interrupted, go on. No, no, that's cool. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm happy. I was happy with the first initial 20 minutes, like I say. But yeah, you, yeah. Want, you wanted to say something. Well, I was going to say, it's pretty much what you're saying. Man. I think the, the start of the game was so positive. And, you know, obviously you and I were speaking and we, we were very uh, heartened by how we saw the team start. But what I think was, was so disappointing was as soon as that goal went in, which was against the runner play, let's be honest, it the heads just mm. dropped. The heads completely <sighs> dropped. And that second that's goal... It's, there's, you know, there's only so much you can do about a good set piece. It was a, it was a brilliant free kick from Ward Prowse. Uh, shout out to Definitely. Ward Prowse for getting me fantasy points in both the assist <laughs> and the goal. Yeah, yeah. So big up. Uh, big up. It was, it was disappointing to see how he dropped off at that point and Southampton came back into the game and they really stuck to their game plan. But the second half, what a recovery. Yeah, I mean, um, we it was two 0 half time, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah two nil half time. We came back, and we, I believe we we started that started the second half strongly, yeah. and then Spurs sort of had a bit more momen- momentum. Southampton. But I do want to give. I do want to give. Obviously, we said I said said it to you in um, over WhatsApp earlier as well. Yeah. The changes that were made at half time. Yeah. Spot on. Yeah. 
Scott, I mean, obviously the De Gea had to change was was enforced, so there was nothing that we could do. Yeah, about yeah. That. I think Henderson had one one or two saves to make, so good for him. But Cavani, what a breath of fresh air! Hundred percent, man. I said it on the podcast last week. Like when he came on um, against West Brom, he he can just see the difference. He can just see the quality. He can smell the quality, and his awareness. Like I said last week, he gets the ball, he looks around, sprays it, and then he attacks space to try and get the ball back. That is yeah. what a true number nine does. Now I know a lot of United fans. You know, have this sort of idea of we want interchangeable um, and inter- interchangeable front three, and Marcel can be that guy. Fine, I respect what you're trying to say, but we can't putting Cavani in the middle and putting, let's say, Rashford and Martial on, on, out in the flanks. Yeah. It doesn't slow us down. It doesn't. If you want to play counter-attacking football, which is what we tend to do, it doesn't slow that down. You still have the the speed in in, in the in the in the in the in, on, sorry, on the flanks, and you have yeah. um, Cavani to hold the ball up. You don't need all three guys to be full of speed do you see what I'm saying and Bruno he's not slow either mm. I, th- I think as well though the thing with Cavani I mean obviously you know he's 33 years old he's not going to have that rapid pace that he once had but he's not slow to the point where it's a detriment for example we do have some yeah. pain in our team who are yeah. really slow. Like, I love Mata but he is painfully slow right but yeah. what I like what I like about Cavani is that because he is such an intelligent and all-around number nine, he also you see him drop deep a lot. You see him. You, I think by playing someone like Cavani, right? Yeah. What it gives us is it gives us that kind of additional advantage up top, not just in terms of firepower, but just in terms of being able to press as well. Because he's willing to do that, and we see 100%. that Marshall and sometimes Rashford as well aren't as willing to drop a bit deeper and to. They're press. not. They're not. And like yeah, and Cavani does that, and it, that, that's why that's why I say it's. It was so nice to see him against West Brom last uh, last week when he came on, yeah. and then to be involved in the in the manner that he did this um, in today's game, mm. it, it was nice to see, man. It was nice to see a proper number nine, yeah, doing what a number nine does. It, um, it made it just get it just gave us another dimension. I think it gave us the ability to, to 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 try and change the style of play more and not just rely on moments of pace or individual brilliance yeah. because ultimately it, it it gives us that flexibility to try different styles of crossing different styles of passing because you know that there's someone there who's going to be making those runs um yeah, yeah. so i think him coming on was just it, yeah it, it completely changed the game you know and it's it's a comeback and everyone loves a comeback because you, you leave the game feeling euphoric or you in, in our case mm. you, you finish watching the game feeling euphoric and it was good but you you did highlight that you know let's not get carried away because there's there's still cracks to be there's still cracks there and we did just paper over those cracks and whilst I do agree with that I do think let's be happy let's let let's let ourselves well, be happy mate. well like I said I was well I was going to leave the negative last that's why I wanted to stick with the positive first <laughs> okay all right <laughs> let, let, let's stick with the positives there let's stick with the positives yeah you, on on the, on the note of positives, right? I want to talk about Bruno for a second because for me, Bruno yeah. had a mixed game because I think for the for the majority of the game, he was actually really bad. He didn't have a good game today, but oh, yeah, yeah, that last third of the game when Cavani mm. came on and it, and it freed Bruno up to try some of those more inventive passes or try some of that more interchangeable play, then he completely transformed. And I was saying at half time, like Bruno has well, actually, I said it just before he got the goal. I was like, Bruno has been absolutely wanked today. And as soon as yeah. I sent you that message, he scored. And <laughs> and, it, and even at half time, I said Bruno's been terrible today, but watch him come away with like a goal and an assist. Yeah, and and this is this is a mark of a top player. It's an elite player, elite player. Do, do you know what I mean? And yeah, man, I can't, I can't say, I can't say he's not. He, I saw a stat earlier. I think it was during the game or, or Twitter. I can't remember, but yeah, he's got more con. He since he's come to the Premier League, nobody's got more goal contributions than him. He just makes he, us a better team. 
because when you have a player it, it, it like does. that in your team, you, everyone else, it, it raises the game and the standard of everyone around, right? Yeah. And what, what with the thing is, Bruno is like he. We're probably the only team in the Premier League who, who predominantly play around one man. I mean, he has a free role. Like I said, he's the only player in the Premier League who has a free role. Zaha, you could argue as a, a Palace, he has that, um, but not as free as a, as a Bruno. Bruno is everywhere. He does what he wants. He goes deep, he goes wide, he goes up front, he goes up, he defends. He does all sorts of madness. And whilst that's amazing, I just think with him, that's why when Cavani came on, his game changed. Yeah. We need... To, People say Pogba needs to be around top uh, top players um, to perform better, which he does. But I think who benefits more from that is Bruno. If you have more players of that ilk in that team, Bruno's yeah. game levels up. He doesn't then need to do the right-back's job, the left-back's job, the winger's exactly. job, going up front. The goal that he scored today, he was doing a, a late run into the box, like a... Similar to what Pogba did against City uh, two years ago on, on the on the Jose. Do you remember oh, that, we that we always run? go back to that game, don't we? <laughs> that well, yeah, that was a that was a you know that game. I was gassed. Yeah. That was a fantastic game to beat Pep as well to beat City, and it was at the Etihad as well. Mm, it was. Do you know what I mean? And Pogba had blue hair, <laughs> <laughs> so he was wearing red. He was wearing red and he had blue hair. So for him to score that header on top of that blue hair it was it was it was nice. Um, it was it, it, it was know, symbolic. It was it was symbolic, man. And I, I remember Pep's um, just before we get sidetracked. Um, Pep was saying, or someone said, in that sort of time frame before that game, the lead up, that Pogba was approached. His agent was approached, or his agent approached City or something. Yeah, I remember that. Viola released the story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And this idiot turns up in blue hair, which <laughs> which doesn't help the Joker. the Sooners, uh, the Sooners fan base on, no, on Twitter. Great memes. And, great um, memes. Absolutely, absolutely. But yeah, man, that that's my point with uh, with Bruno. Like I say, it's he's he's probably. Do you know what? I can't say I have any favorite players in this in this team because I don't really trust many players. I love uh, but Bruno. Bruno is the one. Yeah, Bruno is the one player that I trust in that team. And uh, you can just I, see the I, game. I love Bruno. I love Bruno more than I'll probably love my own kids. Like this is the first United player who I don't mock I, it. I I, I, I this is the first United player who I just I love to see him play. I love the mm. passion. It's a joy to leadership. watch. It is a joy to watch, and I love the passion yeah. and the leadership that he that he uh, conveys on the pitch as well. But 100% on that instructions note, constantly. Exactly. But on that note, one of the frustrating things, and I get it, I do get it. When when we as a team aren't playing well, Bruno just tries a bit too much. He tries some wild passes. It. Yeah, yeah and, and and I guess the nature of Bruno's game is that on the whole, he probably will usually have quite a low successful pass rate, but he'll probably have quite a high uh, pass rate with key passes because he'll make those goals happen. And even if even with a bad mm. game, he'll still come away with an assist or something somehow. And today, I yeah. think after, after that, those those first Southampton goals and pr- pretty much till early second half of Cavani started to get uh, a bit more into the game, Bruno was struggling. You could see the frustration on, on, on mm. in his play because he does just gives the ball away quite a lot. And I get what he's trying to do, but sometimes... Is that is that an element of his game that he needs to work on? Um, you know what it is. I honestly feel if you if you have more players of his wavelength, you wouldn't have to go above and beyond to try and force it. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So I think if you surround him with quality, you wouldn't have to do that. He's got this sort of hero complex. He needs to be yeah. the hero. But I don't think. Do you know what? I, I think that stems from his sport in Lisbon days. He was the main man there. He sort yeah. of brought that. You should never walk into. I know. I know we're not the club we used to be, but you should never walk into big club like United, Man United. And bring in the same sort of 
not the mentality, but the same sort of uh, playing style you bring from a Portuguese from the Portuguese league. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? You should walk into that team and almost adapt to what your, what your surroundings are. Um, you should never be the main guy to the extent that you're doing everyone's job for them, forcing it so much and losing the ball. Again, mm. this is not me trying to criticise him because you know how I feel about Bruno. Yeah. There's more There's more about um, him trying to be a hero purely because we, we're shit. Like, let's, let's be real. <laughs> let, let's, let, let's be real. He walked into a, a disjointed team after, in January after... We just got hammered, not hammered. But to be fair, we did get hammered by Burnley, didn't we? It was an embarrassing display. It was and, probably one, um, of the, one. I think it was probably one of the most frustrating games I've seen in recent years because it was just it was been woeful. A few, it was man. There's been a few like that under under this manager's reign, but I was don't want to talk about it too deeply. But yeah. Bruno, he walked into that disjointed team for a manager who was one leg in in the sack. Let's yeah. let's be let's be honest. He was about to lose his job. He came in. He almost gave him that free. Well, he did give him that free role, and. My personal opinion is that he saved his job. Um, I'm sure many United fans would agree. Some won't. I compl- but... I think if you disagree with that, you're you're in denial. Not maybe maybe not necessarily the fact that he was on the verge of getting sacked because I think this board displays an unwavering sense of loyalty to him because he's he's mm. never goes against the board. But his job was in a precarious set of circumstances at that point because 100%. we hadn't been playing well. We hadn't been playing yeah. well for for months really since since the PSG yeah. game. We ended the season. Yeah. We ended the season before week. And we'd started the season week as well. So Bruno coming in... Similar to this season. Mm. Exactly. Bruno coming in was a true breath of fresh air because he completely changed Definitely. everything. And a lot of people said at the time, and I think even you and I have said it as well, it was that Cantona effect where you have that yeah. one singular player that comes in and he changes everything around them and he changes the mentality of the team. And I've said it before and I'll say it again, this man, he should be our captain. And obviously it's not as simple as just whoever wears the armband. You don't need yeah. the armband to be a leader. You know, when we look at those United squads of old, it might have been someone like Keane wearing the armband, but it would have been other players yeah. across the pitch, pitch given the the instructions and, and contributing to it as well. Mm. But, you know, this, yeah. this guy, is a he exemplifies a, a team player, in my opinion, because 100%. he's so desperate. He, he'd die for the United shirt. He'd die yeah, yeah. to get those results. And you love mm. that. You love to see it, don't you? 100%. And just sort of finish off on that, um, from my part, I'll just say... If you, let's say if you give Bruno, obviously my ideal guy would have been Partey, but he went Arsenal. Yeah. Or there's still a few guys available in Didi. Uh, he would be, he'd be a good, a good, uh, he'd, he'd a good be choice. too expensive. Leicester would want That's the problem. Around. That's the problem. But I'm, I'm talking about the profile of player here. Yeah, if you bring yeah. in that sort of profile of player, you know, a holding midfield player who can break up play, you can do the dirty work um, for, for the, uh, the more advanced midfielders. It allows Bruno just to do what he needs to do. He doesn't need to run around doing everything. He needs to stay in his position, do the late runs into the box, dictate play from in the final third. And um, in between, in, then in between, ideally, you want Pogba to be there in between yeah. that CDM and Bruno Pogba in, in an ideal world. But that's not going to happen realistically. He's going to leave in the summer, I feel. Um, so you put him back in the kind of, I kind of want him to leave at this point because I don't, you know, if you compare the, realistically, the, the position that Pogba probably wants to play is probably what Bruno plays now up top with that freedom to roam around. But between the two, I have to, I have to be honest, and maybe this is just, you know, the fact that Bruno has come and done a job for us, but between the two, is Bruno all day for me? Well, yeah, Pogba is not, a, he's not a cam, he's not a number 10, he's not a Bruno type player. But I see what you're saying. He, in order to sort of put up with his, his his um his weaknesses. You almost do want to put him so high up in the field that he's not making those mistakes in in, yeah. the, in the deeper positions. You see what I'm saying? So I get what you're yeah. trying to say. When Oli first came in, he was playing that advanced midfielder role, not as a ten, but more of an advanced midfielder role with I believe Matic and Herrera behind him. It was. Um, 
so yeah, th this is it. Um, you can't have two guys like that in your team. Mm. But the the good the good the positive here though is Van der Beek got his league start, and I think yeah, he had a good game. I think he had a really good game, and I think there are moments as well where you can see some very good link up play between Bruno and Van der Beek as well. Uh, and what I, what I like about Van der Beek is he is competent in doing the duties a, a, a bit uh, deeper down the pitch. You know, it, it, yeah. sort of, not not necessarily the CDM position, but that kind of CM position where he can he is a proper box to box, and I think that allows. 100%. Fred to then sweep up the the, the rest of the pain and you know you utilize his usual tenacious style. But I thought Fred had yeah. a pretty poor game as well. If I'm being honest, poor game. You think so? I I think I think that first half he was poor. Everyone got bit better in that second half when when yeah, the momentum shifted in our favour. But Fred, I think I like Fred because his energy is great, and I feel like we've not had a, a kind of player like that since the days mm. of Park. Tevez, you know, those kind of those bulldog players. And I, I really like Fred for that reason. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But I think the issue is when he has the ball, that's where his liability shows. His off the ball work rate and, and ethic is, is incredible. But when he has the ball, there's just, there doesn't, there's not that kind of a, what's the, how can I describe this? For, for me, he doesn't have that like wow factor, if you will, because yeah, that, that area of his game is very limited. Yeah. But that's not what he's there for. And I, I like Fred. I was happy to see that he's got his, um, he finally goes running games on the on the Oli when he, when Oli first took over because it took a while for him to get his, did, his opportunity. Yeah. But uh, with Fred, he for me is a box boss midfielder who is more defensive minded, almost like um, he's a he's a Kante, but he's not as good as a Kante. Yeah. Uh, the problem with Fred is he he doesn't work well with a first touch. He has to take two three touches to almost position himself accordingly, see where he is on the pitch, see where his teammates are, and then do what he needs to do. What I do like about him is tenacious. He breaks play up and yeah. he's on you like a little, like a rash. He is on you. Mm. Um, but I did say to you before, I think during the game very early, that this is a prime, a prime type of game, stylistically, for Fred, uh, Maguire and Lindelof yeah. to get almost targeted on the press. It's the spine press, of our team, squeeze. The spine of my team exactly, and those three guys are our weakest guys when it comes to, um, well, when it comes to these sort of first touch, um, yeah, I guess, I guess, um, first touch areas or first touch, um, opportunities, but, um, yeah, so I felt that would be very much the case because Southampton did it against us, um, on the back of last season and, mm. um, at the start of last season as well, they got a draw against us twice last season, yeah. I think. Or did, no, they, I believe they beat us the first time and then they drew against us. I might be wrong, but we dropped points against them twice last season, for sure. Yeah. Well, what, what do you, how do you think Matic played? I think Matic uh, done well. I said to you before, during the game as well, when he, he's okay with the first touch. He's, you know, people say he lost his legs, which, you know, I, I somewhat agree with, but when you're, when you're getting the press so, so aggressively from the likes of the Southampton players, which, yeah. although to be fair, I didn't think Southampton players were that aggressive with it today. Um, but they did press us at times quite effectively. I think Matt was okay um, with that with that press. Um, he he was better than than I thought he would be. Uh, you know we've said before that in games against teams which do press very aggressively and press you high up the pitch and don't give you any time on the ball, Matic does struggle in those kind of games because you know he he isn't. He's not as uh, as active as he used to be. He has lost his legs a bit. So I think he was probably afforded a bit more room in terms of his performance by by having Fred alongside him and by having Van der Beek there as well. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And uh, Van der Beek, actually, I've noticed twice now in, in today's game and the game midweek, he is better than a 40 years in the deeper positions. Yeah, honestly. I, th I think, I think right, if, we're, if, if 
if Ollie is really set on this two CDM pivot thing, right? Mm. I think it can be Fred and Van der Beek. I don't think it has to be Fred and McTominay or Fred and Matic. I think Fred and Van der Beek can work well together because ultimately I agree. Van der Beek has enough intelligence to be able to read the game and to try and nip those attacks in the butt before it happens. But then he also has enough technical flair to then spread that mm. ball up top. Fred, McTominay to a certain extent and Matic don't, in my opinion, have that as much. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good balance. If you have Van der Beek, Fred, if you have to have a double pivot, with the guys we have right now, it should be Van yeah. der Beek and Fred. Um, I did previously say if you have a double pivot, it would be Matic and, and um, Fred for me. Yeah. But with Van der Beek, like I say, he, he has shown a side that I didn't see before. And obviously, I don't profess to knowing, you know, a huge amount on him. I watched him in the Champions League. Um, yeah. I watched him in a couple of Dutch games, but I don't really watch Dutch League like I used to. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, and based on what I saw in the Champions League, I felt that he's a good box-to-box midfielder who can do um, the defensive work as well as the offensive work. But what I didn't know was that he can sit in a deeper position and dictate play from there. He did that in midweek. And t- today it was a lot more advanced. It was almost like the sh- our shape, especially during the first sort of 20 minutes, it was a 4-2-2-2 formation. Yeah. That's the shape that I, I saw the most. And with Bruno and Van der Beek being the more advanced midfielders, and I felt he was very good in that position, which tells me the versatility um, that he possesses, I guess. That's, and that's, that's the key thing, the versatility, because a lot of mm. our midfielders don't necessarily have that ability to play across the pitch. I think, I think mm. Van der Beek is probably one of the few who, who can function competently uh, defensively, yeah. but then can also yeah. offer that, that ability going forward. And I think, I, think, I think we'll start seeing a lot more of him now, because I think that performance against Istanbul midweek was probably a sign to Ollie that, you know what, I really do need to fit this guy into my team because he's going to give me that added edge. And thankfully, he, he was rewarded with it with the league start today. And I think I think ultimately, he performed well. I think in that early period of dominance, he was key to a lot of the play. And even when that when the comeback started to mount, I was really, really impressed by, by the link-up play between him and Bruno. But then also... Intelligence, man. It's the intelligence. And I feel like we, we, we've, we've missed players like that for a while. You know, like we've relied on a lot of raw pace uh, mm. in, in, in games Counter-tack in the past few yeah. years. Exactly. And that, that is the case. But, you know, as we say so many times, you can't can't play like that against every team. You need nah. to have a plan B. And when you have players of that intelligence, of you know, like Van der Beek, then it does afford you the ability to be a bit more flexible, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. And with, with Van der Beek as well, uh, watch him off the ball. Mm. His intelligence off the ball, he's constantly looking right and left over his shoulder, constantly looking, very aware of where he is on the pitch, very aware of who's around him, and he knows where he needs to be. Now, he's also, the transition... Go on, sorry, go on. Go on. No, I, I, the I, transition... I, go on, you go, you go. <laughs> Ladies first. Uh, <laughs> no, I, what I really like as well is, and I've seen it throughout the, the games he's played now, he's really good at playing himself out of trouble. Yeah, his, his ball yeah. control when when he's being crowded by two or three players, his ball control is excellent, and he's great at finding that key pass to mm. to one not only to kind of alleviate any any pressure on him, but then also to start an attack. I think I think he yeah. really does offer us a completely do, a new dimension of play. Hundred percent, couldn't agree more. And I'm I'm just happy he got his chance today. He proved yeah. what he can do, and um, going forward, hopefully he's going to be the guy ahead of Matter. If that's the formation you want to play, play him yeah. uh, play him ahead of Matter. Um, so, yeah, happy, happy with that. Um, what other positives can we take from that? Obviously, Cavani, Van der Beek we spoke about. Um, yeah. Mentioned Bruce, Bruno briefly. Tellers, um, I felt he had a... He, he had a tough game. I don't think he had a bad game. Yeah, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a challenging game for him, but I don't think he had a bad game. Mm. Um, I felt... I think he, I think he, played, he struggled. He, he struggled against Walker Peters, so I think. Yeah, 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 you can say that. Um, I felt with the press, 
when Southampton started pressing us, it was it, he was one of the guys that sort of felt comfortable. I felt he he was almost forced to take the ball back and pass the sideways to the his fellow defenders. Yeah. Um, a, a, a few times in the, in the first half, so I don't expect him to be. I don't know, giving me tens or nines and tens every week anyway at the moment because yeah. he is new to the new to the Premier League. Do, do you is, think as well it's someone... an issue of match fitness? Well, he's had COVID barely four times, isn't he? <laughs> since he's uh, <laughs> multiple times. This guy's defying like medical knowledge and just consistently getting COVID. But no, I think yeah. I think he's he's played what three games for us it's now. His third game. This is his third, third game. game. Yeah. He's rec- you know, and in, in between there, he had the international break as well. I don't know if he played in that, but I think I think match fitness is probably still an issue as well. I don't think he has Definitely. fully recovered from it. Um, yeah. But you know, the responses, the 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 the, the performances I've been getting from him so far, I'm pleased with them because I think ultimately, yeah, yeah. You know what it's an upgrade on Luke Shaw. But then that's my next question: When Shaw's fit, will he just come straight mm. back into the team? Because we know that Ollie loves Shaw. He does love Shaw. Um, well, this was. My theory, we're going to be playing PSG next, right? I think it's on Tuesday. I believe so, yeah. Or maybe Wednesday, but either way, midweek. I think if Luke Shaw's fit for that game, he's going to do, he's going to utilize the both of them in a back in a back five or a back three, if you want to call it that, with yeah. Tellers playing wing back. So I can see that as, uh, as a you know, very possible, very possible outcome against, against PSG and potentially against Leipzig. But what I would say about that is, I think those two fixtures, sorry, those two results um, in Oli's tenure as manager so far, the PSG game um, last month, as well as, or was it early this month, actually? It, early was, this month, uh, it was early this month. It was a few weeks ago, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. And uh, the result against P- uh, Leipzig. Yeah. I think those two performances were Oli's best two performances during so far in his, in his United career. That, that PSG way- performance was brilliant. It was a brilliant performance 100%. because it was a game plan. We stuck to the game plan and ultimately we were, we were rewarded with the with the mm. result. So, yeah, I think... Do, do you think he'll he will adopt a similar style again when we play PSG or will he look to freshen things up again? I would just say if it ain't broke, then fix it. It worked. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a system that worked against both. Why not stick to it? The fans yeah. loved it as well. They enjoyed it. And these are elements that makes me... That proves me wrong. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I get you. When he plays like that, obviously I, I'm not a fan of Oli. But when he play, when he plays like that, when he when he sets up like he did against Leipzig and and um, against PSG, he proves people like me wrong. So it allows me to see another side of him. I never saw that. I never I, I never thought that he's gonna he's gonna do that against PSG or, or Leipzig. I don't think many yeah. people did. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? But, but that's a, that's the hallmark wrong, of a good manager though, because ultimately, if you're lining up how the fans predict. Why then the, the fans could do your job? Do you know what I mean? But you're in the position you're in because you're meant to have better tactical awareness and, and better team selection yeah. understanding than than the layperson. He's been so, he's been criticised for that. Do you see what I'm saying? He yeah. there's still doubts about him that if if he's the right man, there's doubts that if he's even a Premier League manager. But yeah. the point I'm trying to make here is I have my doubts on him. I never I personally you know made my voice very clear uh, my stance very clear on this podcast on, yeah. on the only situation but what i won't do is become tunnel vision and not give him credit where it's due i'll give him credit where it's due like i did against leipzig like i did against um, psg um early this month and i applaud him for that so he, he definitely gets my ratings when it comes to those sorts of performances and even when we get today's game well we'll talk about it in more detail in a sec <laughs> but uh when we when we saw them against the turkish farmers during uh <laughs> midweek farmers plumbers electricians but this is it uh who we obviously lost against um that lineup we, i think when we both saw it prior to the game we were both happy with it yeah. and it was free-flowing attacking football 
and it was nice. I know the position wasn't great, and it probably won't run in the Premier League against most teams, but it was nice to see him there. It was nice to see him say, you know what, fuck it, let me just play these guys, play uh, uh, play on the play toe to toe on the front foot, and um, try and kill the game off early, which um, he did. Again, credit where it's due. So when he does things like this, it gives it proves me wrong, and what it does is a win win for the uh, for the for the club, right? Yeah. But with me personally, that's me thinking about that's me talking in a non biased way. When I think about my personal opinion, I do honestly believe you have to lay in the inevitable with him because there is one great fixture and then three bad. I say one great result and then three bad results, or however you want to put it. So there is there is a a trend there, but again, um. We'll see. We'll see how that unfolds. I think this season is make or break for Ollie. Um, but we'll talk about it more de- in more detail a bit later. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's three wins on the bra- on, on the bounce down the prem, I believe. Uh, and then obviously, we, I think is, the Champions League games probably got what five games unbeaten, so it's a good run. But then it is yeah. it's always the question of we're on a good run now. But when that run inevitably does come to an end, as it does with every team, how do yeah. we recover from that? Or do we fall into another slump and then come back into another run? Because that is one of the hallmarks that we've seen of Ollie's reign so far. It's very up yeah. and down. And I think now is a good time to talk about what happened to us when we did concede the two, the two yes. goals. Uh, even the first goal, to be fair. So, again, started off brilliantly. First 20 minutes, I thought, this, this is a reaction we wanted against West Brom. But fine, we got it today. Let's see, let's see what happens. Yeah. Uh, let's see how the game, game, how the game uh, unfolds. We, get, we can see the set piece. And it's almost uh, a clone of how they scored against us post-lockdown last yeah. season. Do you remember that? Who was it? I can't remember the guy's name is now. The the centre forward, the short guy. I think yeah, he's centre forward. It might be a winger. No, 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 no. Um, what is his name? Obafomi. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael Obafomi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's out of all people. He's with a header, wasn't it? He scored a header from a set piece. <laughs> yeah, I think corner. so. Yeah, yeah. In the near post, and it was the same replica again of, of of that set piece today. And I thought, what is this? What is up with the zonal marking? And that is that is down to the management. That is down yeah. to the coaching. Maguire. <laughs> but why was stood there marking space? <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm looking at this guy, and what annoys me about Maguire the most is when he does stupid shit like this, he almost looks around just trying to blame someone else for it. Yeah, so, brother, it was you. He's a funny guy, anyway, Maguire, because he does stuff like this, <laughs> and he's always just like, "Oh man, come on, guys, what are we doing?" It's like, "Come on, bro, where's your, where's your passion? Where's your reaction?" Captain, the, Captain, exactly. Over. This is what I'm saying. Like this, how mm. has this man got the cap? You know what? That's another discussion for another. Time. That's another like, conversation. I'm, I'm not going to get into Maguire slander for the time being, uh, but the fact that we did concede from a set piece when we know as well that Ward Prowse is lethal from them. Amazing. Come on, lads. yeah. Like this amazing. is this is basic zonal basic marking. preparation. I don't think we should be doing zonal marking when you know your your opponent has an amazing set piece from them. Yeah. Got, and they've got an aerial threat as well, and they're not the tallest. Who was that scored the header? I can't remember now. Is it the, the, the uh, defender? Mm, can't remember. Can't remember who scored. Um, it feels like so long ago now with what happened in that game. It was uh, it was uh, Bednarek. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, fair. But yeah, again, um, a set piece similar to the one we had against them uh, in our last in our last picture. They they are very good when it comes to those sort of scenarios. Why are we doing zonal marking? It is beyond. What are your thoughts on zonal marking? I don't like it, really. I think there's so many times, especially on set pieces, when, when you have a strong, when you're facing a team that has the ability to deliver a strong set piece, such as Southampton, you know that that person is going to be able to pick an empty pocket of space and you know that that person 100%. is going to be able to exploit that. 
So to play, to, to know that and to still take the chance of it anyway, it's stupid. It was a need. It was a needless goal to concede today. So mm. I, I, I mean, yeah, my, I'm more of a man marking person anyway. When I play FM, yeah. I put it on. I always switch my set into to, to man marking <laughs> because I think I just yeah. think it's a lot more effective. Uh, especially yeah. if you've got defenders like Lindelof, who's about eight feet tall, and you've got Maguire with the the head as a size of a small meteor. Then you know you've got you know you've got people who are strong enough to deal with with balls like that. So why not just man mark them? Because they probably win most of their duels anyway. Definitely, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I'm I'm on I'm on the same page as you. I think we should go back to man marking. But Oli seems to be adamant that he wants to do his own marking. Fine, you're the manager. You know, you get paid to do your job. You do what you need to do. You're your team um, in it. You do what you want. Your team, man. I give up. But <laughs> I just don't see any future in it. Um, I just feel like. It's, it's, a, it's a bit outdated the zonal marking I agree strategy especially like I mm. say especially against teams that, are, that have a good set piece but anyway um, so we spoke about that mm, what's next on the agenda in terms of uh, in terms of today's game I, th- I think you know what in terms of the game we, the heads down the heads down the heads down was probably the most yeah, worrying yeah. part that was, that was that was a very worrying reaction especially for a team who you know, we're not. no one's in denial everyone knows we're not where we need to be right now but for mm. a team that traditionally want to be in the title race at the very least, want to be pushing for those top four spaces, you have to have a stronger reaction. You can't you can't get deflated at first chance of a goal conceded. And the good thing no. is we did recover from that in the in the second half. And I think a lot of that was because of Cavani's experience. It, you know, this man has played in the, the, the biggest, Vocal biggest well. leagues. Exactly. And that's why it pays to have those leader type characters. And it's, and it's almost mm. like a uh, Mark two of Ibrahimovic, isn't it? In the way that it's, yeah, it's yeah. someone with that experience and with that leadership coming back into the squad. Mm. Yeah, no, I agree. And whilst he was a panic signing, um, he has proved thus far anyway that he can do he can do the job. Um, yeah. He hasn't started obviously in the Premier, but I do think that's inevitable. <laughs> well, in an ideal world, be. that's inevitable. If Oli sees sense, man, starting. You know, Martial done well there in that position last season. But remember last week I was speaking about. Putting Cavani in the middle, yeah. Rashford on the right, Rashford and right. uh, Marseille on the left. We've done that against uh, the Farmers <laughs> midweek, and it worked. Yeah. It worked, and and even today it was. Uh, even today, uh, running Rashford was on the left, and Marseille didn't play um, when Cavani came on. But again, it was effective. So if you can have Rashford on the right, utilize him out wide. Um, he's yeah. right footed. There's no excuses. I'm tired of hearing. Yeah, but he's right footed. He needs to cut in. I'm tired of it. Martial, I, I personally think he cannot play on the right. We've tried yeah. it. He was talking to the cor- he was talking to the corner flag, and there will be you on the right hand side. It didn't it didn't work. So yeah. with Rashford, I think he has the attributes uh, to play on that on that on the right hand side. He just needs to track back. Martial on the left, he, for me, he's more effective on the left. I feel his dribbling is 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 amazing. So have him on the left. Um, let him attack space with with his fast fast dribbling, fast link up play. His link up yeah. play is exceptional, and I really like that. But he, he can't, it's not like he can do that from the centre forward position. He can still do it from the left, especially if you're playing inverted forward players. If you're going to have your full backs bombing on, you're going to have them quite central anyway. Um, and if you have Cavani to bounce off, a bounce off with Bruno coming in late in the box, Van der Beek as well, bro, it could be a, a nice recipe for maybe not success just yet, but certainly momentum. It's foundations, though, isn't it? It's the foundations of success. 100%. When you start to find 100%. a system that works. And I think it's great. And I think, you know what? Ultimately, as much as, yeah, there are negatives from this game, there's negatives in every game. Rarely do you have a, a 10 out of 10 performance, but there's a, there are a lot of positives mm. here to take. And I think 
we started to see that in the Istanbul game in terms of how, how Cavani can completely alter the dimensions of our play. But then today yeah. where he did alter the dimensions of our play and he gave us a completely new dimension. So there's a lot of positives here to take. Van der Beek was good. Bruno being Bruno comes even with, um, you know, for the majority of the game, this guy was rubbish, still comes away with like an assistant <laughs> goal. And I love that. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's incredible. It's, it's true, yeah. true elite mentality. So all in all, positives from the game. And uh, yeah, let's see if we're able to build on it and if we're able to maintain the momentum. Definitely, man. But yeah, just to summarise from my part, like we spoke mm. about the positives. Um, I said this to you earlier as well. You become a successful team by obviously analysing the positives, but also analysing the negatives um, and improving on them. So yeah. I don't want to ignore the negatives because if we, if you address them now, especially if Oli addresses them now, if Oli listens, listens to this podcast, podcast yeah. which you will, which you will, yeah. I'm sure, uh, <laughs> I'm sure we'll get to eventually. Um, he will... Yeah, tag, 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 as you go into that, or uh, I, I you think know. there's like uh, you, you don't get those like uh, fan accounts that try and be like the yeah, real yeah, person. Yeah. There's bare of them like that for Ollie. Like, why would you do that? Why? Would yeah, you yeah. Do this? <laughs> tag him in, man. But he's loved, man. He's loved by a lot of you know, fans. So I imagine he's got loads of those accounts. So mm. tag him in it. Yeah. But yeah, the negatives. I, I do want to just briefly touch on. I don't want to talk about it too much because we did win, and the three points are important. But yeah. I look at the attitude. Firstly, right? We spoke about that briefly. Um, we, for a team who wants to get top four, or even close the gap with, let's say, Man City, or this season at the moment, Liverpool and Spurs, Chelsea perhaps as well. Why does it take, why is it a goal? And why is that the only thing it takes? I don't know how to put it in words, actually. It, like, I guess, is that all why it takes for us to... Why does it take conceding to actually get our heads kind of into gear? Is that kind of what you're trying to say? That as well, but I feel like conceding a goal away from home, let's say in the first half, 20 minutes in, 25 minutes in, I think that's when the goal came. Why is that so much of a, a blunder that you, need, you then need to have your head down, show shit body language, not do your job, feel sorry for yourself? I don't understand why. I, I just don't get it. It's beyond me. It's happened game after game, season after season. And obviously when Oli first took over, I thought he might get top four towards the back end of that season. Yeah. He didn't. Fine. You don't, you don't, I guess you don't take, um, hold him too responsible for that because he inherited the team at a time that weren't doing too well. Yeah. But you look at the mentality and it's, it is that bottle job mentality, which we showed mm-hmm. signs of again today. I know we had, we, uh, we showed determination towards the end, but we again showed signs of bottle job mentality. And that is a crack. Today we got away with it. It may get bigger. What, what, you get what I'm baffle, yeah, what baffles me though is look at it logically, right? Yes, you've conceded a goal, it's not great. Hey, you've conceded two goals, not great, but you've also still got an entire second half and you've still got a good chunk of the first half to try and turn that around. I like, mm. think rationally and think, okay, we've got enough time here, we can get back into this game. And you know, yeah, to yeah. quote Ollie, we, you know, we're, we're Man United, right? Yeah, and we are a club that has we're Man United, has, has we're it Man exactly. United. We, we <laughs> We have a, a history of comebacks in the biggest yeah. games, in the smallest games. We have come back from, from bigger deficits. If we if yeah. you don't if you don't have that mentality and if you, if instead you can see the goal and your heads go down, then when are you gonna be able to bridge the gap with those bigger teams? Because it's mm. gonna be nearly impossible, isn't it? Hundred percent. And I feel like those sorts of traits and attributes stem from the manager. Mm. And um that then gets um gets translated into the into the team and when you have those leaders in your team like a Cavani, like a Bruno, 
it does really help the manager set the tone even more. But again, it all depends on what the managers, what kind of tone the manager's trying to set. Um, when the manager makes excuses for these players in post-match interviews, it doesn't help them. There's a reason why Rashford doesn't track back on the Rolly. He used to track back on the Jose. I'm not trying to say, yeah, Jose was fantastic. He was amazing. He was he was never wrong. My point here is he worked hard on the Jose. Yeah. Why does he not track back um, on the Rolly? Because he feels like I would say it's probably he's not given the instructions to tra- track back. I don't think Oli okay. expects as much defensive discipline from his, from his forwards or from anyone who... Isn't that's silly, bro. It is silly. Of course we 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 see what happens every game when we don't when, when we do when we played that that shape the four three three of Rashford and Greenwood out wide. They mm. both do not track back and against Spurs. That was the last time we played that formation with that personnel, and we saw how they exploded, um, how how the Spurs wingers and and their formats exploded from those from those positions. We have not played that personnel or formation again, so that completely broke his um i guess his um lineup that he felt was his best at that time yeah so i guess my question is why can't he show some discipline rashford under Oli, and the same for greenwood and greenwood didn't play under the former manager but why do not why did why do they not defend why do they not track back they're, and they're, 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 they're clearly they're not given the instructions to they're but bro, like as a winger guys. right yeah we all play football right and i'm not trying to compare obviously my or your um playing days to the professional football my, but as a winger you, you're so I know you didn't play but I didn't want to oh yeah what do you mean I didn't play I, I played <laughs> the year five B team right yeah, I played nice. one game for the year five B team and I was shocked when I got in because there was a C team bro so I didn't even get into the world team. I, was <laughs> I played one game yeah, because one of the year sixes I remember was in goal and they're playing goal no no nah, nah, I played centre back I played centre back. I was a nice, big, big nice, kid in nice. it. So you know, yeah, yeah. I've got that Steve Bruce mentality. Nice, um, nice, nice. And then, but then because the goalkeeper was so mean, bro, he's such a mean boy. I remember, I remember his name was Oscar. This guy was yeah. berating me for the entire game. Like, oh, you fat shit, get back, <laughs> on track. bro. After that, I was like, I don't want to ever play football again. But that's how it should be. That's a beautiful <laughs> game. Well, made made, made you cry off the pitch. Yeah, man. That's that's the way. I look. That's the way I played anyway. But yeah, anyway, back to my point. Um, with with. With wingers, your sole responsibility, you know, from grassroots level anyway, you know, going even as you get older, is you track you track your runners. You if you're not in possession, you track back. If you're in possession, you push you push forward. That's why playing in the wing the wing form the wing position is one of the toughest positions you're playing. So as a as a wide forward in a four three three, it's still your responsibility to track your runners, um, unless you you know the the coach itself says you know what the C, the two CDMs you guys track those wingers. That's your job. I think the problem is though they're not they're not played as traditional wingers. They're played as inside forwards. So they're essentially and that's okay. A striker and that's probably and why that's they're fine. Told but then instruct back. and that's fine. But then instruct your CD the two CDM and double pivot that you play. Tell them to track those runners then, because you're not doing. You can't have. You have to have one or the other. You can't have both. Yeah. Hey, you know what I mean? One 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 has to one has to track back. Uh, so it's either gonna be your wingers or your or your two uh, two CDMs, and. I guess the last time we done that against Spurs, it was neither. <laughs> so <laughs> no one. That, that's that's no, no one. No one did it, and I, I just think we can we can get these forward guys to do the tracking, the tracking back, providing they're told to do it. I don't yeah. I don't think there's any excuses. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. But well, let's see how it goes. Either way, positive performance. I think we're both happy with the three points and I think gives us a lot to go off. So with that in mind, mm. should we move on to our next topic? Let's move on, man. 
Cool. So the next <laughs> section, we're diving in with slide tackles in the DMs. And we're picking, we're picking one question this week to try and keep it short, but it's quite a good question. And this question is from Dylan. So shout out Dylan. And the question is, is top four and Champions League knockout run a successful season for United? I want to get your thoughts on that side. Um, bro, there's so many ways of looking into this. I just feel like if you put it into the context of, I want to give you two scenarios here. If you put it in, in the context of this season and the way we've started, um, you could argue that yes, it's, 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 a, good, it's a good result. It's a good uh, conclusion um, towards the end of the season to get top four securely, get Champions League football again. And also to have some some form of a, a Champions League run. Let's say if we get to the quarters, you yeah. can be content with that, right? Considering how we started. Um, but then if you put it into context of Oli's managerial tenure at United, he's been in two years now. He at that point in time, between two and a half years or so, maybe a bit longer. Is that acceptable? Again, what? you add some more context to that, mm-hmm. and you then ask, okay, what's the points tally? For me, I think the points tally is very telling. If you get the 60-odd the points again for three seasons in a row. Because bear in mind, bro, we finished 66 points last season and the season before. Yeah. So if we get if we get a similar sort of point tally again, you can look at that and think, in, in, in the context of his whole tenure so far as a United manager, that's not progress. Do you get what I'm trying to say? It's a, it's a sidestep, isn't it? Well, It's again, you, there's no progress. But if, if we do, if we do get top four, and let's say, Let's say Liverpool win the league, right? And they have a night. (laughs) Just just to put it, they're the favourites. So let's just use them as an example. They get, I don't think it's going to be a high scoring tally. I don't think, I still think it'll be in the 90s, but I don't think it'll be a 99 point season like it was last season. I think perhaps maybe 93, right? I think Chelsea won it on 93 under Conte, actually. Let's say 93. And second place, 87. And then we're, we're sat in fourth with 65 points. That for me personally is not progress. It's but hard again, to stomach because that golf that we keep that we that every single United fan, every single manager has said is obviously we want to close the gap between City and Liverpool. And like you're saying, yeah. if that points tally is is like that, then there's still such a golf and we've not made any progress on if you isolate it to that specific issue. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. But if you put it in the context of this season, let's say if we do finish sixty-five points, we finish fourth. Um, you can say cool. We started off terribly. We do have a game in hand, to be fair, so that could really work to our favour. But we have yeah. to win it, of course, against Burnley. Um, we could, yeah, if we do that 65 points, we end up we, we end up finishing fourth. We get to the quarterfinals of the Champions League. Um, you could you could argue, do you know what? Considering how we started, no preseason, Pogba COVID, tell us COVID. It was it was a, a decent season tell for me COVID personally. No. Times four, yeah. For me, no, for me, that's not for me, that's not a good season. But yeah. I'm looking at it from a non-biased perspective. Um, probably how the club will be looking at it. But then again, are we lowering our standards as a club and as a fan base? That's well, my question to you. That that is exactly what I said to Dylan. I said I said that I would struggle to say it's a good season because then for me, that is more indicative of that we are accepting mediocrity. Not that a top four finish in a champion and the Champions League run is, is mediocre, but for a club of United stature, yeah, of course, yeah, it is mediocre. I don't care 
where mm. we are now because we, we can't just always focus on where we are now and and adjust the this, the kpis those key performance indicators uh mm. to, to suit that you know because ultimately i i what i did say is i said okay if we if we get top four and champions league knockout and a domestic trophy then i can say that is a moderately successful season if we win yeah. FA Cup, i can say yeah, yeah. It's a successful season and and even like like how you said that if we take the season as it is right now then yeah top four in champions league is successful but i then struggled for me success is when you're able to build on what you've done and mm. if we just accomplish what we did last season then for, for me we become arsenal because we become we become that Arsenal that we're always consistently getting that top four finish and trying to get that Champions League revenue, and we obviously we know what the Glazers are like, and for them, for them that Champions League football is that holy grail of continued sponsorship income, and that's that's yeah. fine, but at the same time it's not fine, is it? Because ultimately we're we're one of the biggest football clubs in the world. We want to be our standards need to need to show that. So I find it tough yeah. to say yes, that's a successful season. Because for me, it just shows no progress, and it doesn't show the gap between us and and City and Liverpool, and even like you say, potentially even Spurs and Chelsea. It doesn't show that gap getting any smaller. But this is it, and that was the whole this whole season. That's what it's all about. Yeah. The aim was to close that gap. I know there's an argument to say, yeah, but Oli didn't get Sancho. I don't think bringing in Sancho is necessarily the answer. I think if anything, we need a centre back or, or a CDM. Yeah. Um, but either way, fine. That's who Oli wanted. He didn't get him, right? He didn't get Grealish, but fine. He got Van der Beek. It's not like he got nobody. He, he has a bad player. Around... Well, this is it. He's a, he's a top player, mate. Dutch academy. Yeah. I think Van der Beek is a very good player. But yeah, right yeah. now, you can argue Grealish. Grealish is having... <laughs> he's on the, you know, in the form of his life. But mm. he's had... I know I know he's not net spend, but Oli has had 300 million to spend on the squad. But I do I do feel... I do feel for him when, it, when, it, when, it, when the conversation opens up about did he get backed enough this season? I would say no, he didn't. And we mm. saw this with Jose and we saw this with Van Gaal. So they get backed in the first seasons and then in order to close the gap, they don't um, get further investment. Uh, However... But, 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 but sorry, on yeah. the note of, yeah, of, of, you know, like Oli's uh, net spend or whatever, or just even gross yeah. spend, right? <clears throat> the fact that we paid 50 million for Wambasaka or 80 million for yeah, yeah. Bridge, right? Is that... Is that Ollie's fault or is that very poor negotiation from Ed and uh, what's his name? Judge, nice guy, Judge. But on our side, I have a question, and I think I'm asking spoken to you about this before. Yeah. When Maguire and Wambasaka and even Dan James, remember that season last season when we started off? We started off shit, but then we yeah. sort of grew into the season, right? Yeah. Maguire started off quite well for us. Dan James started off well for us, and so then Wambasaka. Mm. Now all of a sudden, I'm seeing. Oli should be, if he gets sacked, he should be a director of football. No, he has recruited no. exceptionally well. Let me just finish it, yeah? He has recruited exceptionally well. He has targeted the, the, the perfect the perfect players that were needed for our system, the way Oli's trying to play football, right? This is what I was hearing and seeing on social media platforms and whatever. So then you give Oli, credit to Oli. And we we're talking about how Maguire was worth every penny when it came to the 80 million because of his heading ability. And don't get me wrong, I was, I was, I was in favour of the Maguire deal. Obviously, yeah. I knew it was a lot of money, but I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I was in favour of that deal. I didn't care how much it cost because that's not my problem. But if we're <laughs> I'm give, not paying it. Do, do you know, my bank. I'm not paying. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's not. It's not my problem. But either way, if we're going to give Oli credit for bringing these guys in, and we're talking about him potentially being a director of football when he gets the sack, which is weird. Um, why are we then shying away when it comes to criticism of these players? 
What are your thoughts on that? I mean, the director of football thing, I disagree with. I don't... I, mm. How are you going to go from being a manager to director of football when you... Well, yeah. Arguably, you then have even more responsibility at Because <laughs> not only are you responsible yeah. for... You're responsible for the, re- for the recruitment, which technically mm. then means you're still responsible for the playing style. And that's why clubs yeah. like uh, Borussia Dortmund, for example, or even Roma and parts in Seville have exceptional directors of football. So even though they go through managerial changes, the ethos... And the, that sort of core nucleus of the squad still remains, right? Yeah. So how is someone going to go from being sacked as a manager? Because ultimately, why are you sacked? Why are you sacked as a manager? You're sacked because your yeah. results aren't good enough. Because because you're you're not delivering the the results, right? Why is yeah. that person then going to be given more authority? How does that work? I'm with you. I'm with you. I don't know. I, I, I don't, who, who's who's saying this, bro? Tell me right now who's saying that. Oli Smith. Is it Gold? Mate, uh, mm, now let's not talk about names. <laughs> but there's a, I, I there's a lot. <laughs> yeah, there, there's there's a lot of people um, on social media that I've seen. You know, Twitter being the main sort of <laughs> the main timeline talking about how Oli would be an amazing director of football. That topic has gone a bit quiet right now. But I, I did see it for a while. I, I do see it here and there still, but not as but, much as I used but to. And I why it's silly, silly. What? What? Apparently, recruits well. Apparently, recruits well. Apparently, Dan James was a great signing. But this, this is the the counter argument. In Maguire, you look at him and you think, okay, cool. Is he better than? Is he even better than Lindelof? I don't think you so. Know, no. His, his his heading ability makes you makes you feel like he is. But I think there's a, a conversation to be had about that. Who's actually the best and a half? I think you know what, this this the entire summer, or even for the past like year or two, right? There's always been discussion. Of, oh, we need to find someone who can play alongside Maguire. Maguire I think Lindelof's yeah. better. I actually think between the two, Lindelof is a more skilled centre back. He's more agile. I agree. And I think yeah. I think he's not as clumsy because. And I said this to you. I think it was in the Istanbul game. Whenever Maguire's mm. challenged one on one. This guy does not know what to do. He fouls. He just fouls. He so pulls dumb, the player mate. down. He's, He's so dumb, bro. Zero intelligence so in that play. Stupid guy. But yeah, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. And then you look at Wan-Bissaka. Is he a good signing? I mean, I, I love him. But I love him because of his work rate. Yeah. Uh, when I look at what he does for us, defensively, solid, amazing. I mean, some of the tackles he does, magnificent, of course. Defensively, but I, I, would, I, would, I would be happy to say that defensively, he is the best fullback in the league. But, Attacking-wise, yeah, yeah, attacking this guy has nothing there. No. And, and then you look at the England squad, right? There's a reason why you can't even get in. You've got Reese James ahead of him, Kyle Walker, Trippier, um, Trent Alexander-Arnold, um, and Mac, even potentially Max Ahrens. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if he's got his uh, debut yet, but you look at Max Ahrens and you think that's uh, probably a better prospect um, mm. in terms of the modern game. Juan Masaka, he offers us nothing going forward. Nothing. Yeah. Like, to the point that when we played Palace... Their left back, I think they I can't remember. Was I don't know if it's Schlup. They didn't mark him. Roy Hodgson must have told him, you know what? Let him do his thing on the on the flank. Talk to himself and trip over the ball. Let, let, let him have fun. <laughs> let him let him just go let, him, let him have fun. And whatever he does, it's irrelevant anyway. Yeah. So I feel like I've been a bit harsh actually. I don't mean to uh, mean to be harsh, but um, yeah. yeah, he's he's basically not very good going forward, and and I think that hinders us if I'm honest yeah. in the transition. Luke Shaw on the other hand, amazing in the transition, just nothing on either either end. His best position for me in the back three left hand side, yeah, but agreed. yeah, and then look at Dan Jane, that's another guy who Ollie's brought in again. Started off great, but I was, I was personally waiting for the balloon to burst, it bursted quicker than I thought. <laughs> and we're now talking about, yeah, let, let, you know, being brutally honest. Um, we're now looking at him and thinking that is he even a Premier League player, yeah. so that's the general consensus on, on, on Dan James. Who else is he brought? Bruno 
amazing. Bruno Let's is be real. The, I think Bruno is a fan signing, though. Exactly that. We know who Oli really wanted. Do you remember who you wanted? I do not. I'm going to tell you, you're going to laugh. We wanted Sean Longstaff so ah! desperately. <laughs> so desperately. <laughs> and then, not only did he come and ruin my weekends, Sean Longstaff, <laughs> his bloody brother came out of nowhere. <laughs> And he started scoring goals against us. I'm this thinking, family, yeah, this family are having Sunday dinner. Like, you're right, it's going to be you this weekend and next weekend it's going to be you, right? Just go and destroy them. They, they, they only play against United and end up yeah. scoring. <laughs> Baffles me, mate. But yeah, that's who Oli wanted. That's who the club wanted based on the stuff that was being released at that particular time by credible journalists. Mm. Now, Bruno, we wanted him in the summer. He didn't come. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. I didn't know too much about Bruno, if I'm honest. I knew the name. Yeah. Um, I don't think I ever saw him play prior to him I joining. Saw, us. I saw the numbers. I saw the numbers that he was doing at Sporting. And the like, numbers, me exactly. Find me exactly. Up. Well, this is it. I thought I saw the numbers on Twitter. I was all over Twitter. And I thought, you know what? If if this guy's got this sort of output, if we can even do fifty percent of that in the prem, yeah. <laughs> we might be okay. Yeah. And um, yeah, what a, what a fantastic signing. But let's be real, it was a fan signing. It wasn't something that we wanted to do. Yeah. Um, we we eventually got him, and I think. Ed must have looked at that. that. That was when he, his house got burnt, right? Or we had vandal, van, uh, people vandalizing his house. Yeah, he's, um, he was. I think it was like threats and stuff, wasn't it? Yeah, which we don't condone, of course. No, absolutely um, not. But, but I think there's no coincidence that he got signed a week after. I believe it was. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? I, it's, I, I mean, I know I shouldn't laugh, right? It's, it, ultimately, no matter how how passionate we get about football, it's just sport, bro. You know what I mean? I can't. Is, I, I can't condone people. Attacking nah, houses nah, and whatnot, real. but the fact that it got us to sign probably <laughs> one of the best players in the Prem in recent recent times. It's mad. It's hilarious. It's mad. It is funny. It is. It is. But yeah, he is Oli's best signing, and he has been a revelation. So yeah, this whole director football thing, bullshit. As far as I'm concerned, I think mm. once Oli goes, he should just go and just just go. Just please don't ever look back. Get out of here. Te- I don't just, want just you anymore, go, man. Just go and do what you need to do in Norway or whatever. Just Sweden, just go, please. Man, and, uh, Scandinavian countries now. Finland, you know what I mean? Whatever league there is there, just be the king there. Oh, I'm, I'm Iceland, bro. It's nice. It's cold. Wear a coat. Um, that's what I'm saying. All right, but yeah, that's my, that's my um, sort of, I guess, uh, conclusion on his, on his transfer policy and his, um, mm. and his stance when it comes to the guys that he, he signed up. But yeah, um, so have we... Have we um, have we um, decreased oh. our expectations on, on this club then? I think, I, I as a think fan base? so. I think if you go back to, to Dylan's original question of is it a successful season of top four and Champions League knockout, for me, it, it no, it, it isn't, if I'm being intolerant, because I think you do decrease your standards of mediocrity. Add a domestic cup mm. to that, I can get behind it because that is progress based on where we were last season. But if we, well, have, this the is same, it. If we have the same run as we did last season, that is, that's not a successful season. That's, that's stagnation. No. You're not progressing anywhere. No. And I think people look at these domestic trophies, they look down on them, a lot of the fan, a lot of the fan base. I feel like they look at it and they think, we don't want a League Cup, we want top four. We don't want an FA Cup, we want, cha- we want to be in the Champions League, whatever. And I get that. But <clears throat> when we win a domestic trophy, if we win one with Oli, mm. it's not about, it's not just a trophy. It's more to it. When you win a trophy, it's the symbolism behind it, isn't it? Hundred percent. Like the confidence you get on the back of that, the the togetherness as a team, as a club. The I guess the, if you want to use the term philosophy, the philosophy that the manager has laid out, the foundation the manager has laid what out philosophy to win see. this, to win this tournament. That then gets used as momentum and confidence into the next game. Experience gets built from there. You get wiser from that. You make some mistakes within that um, 
within that success of winning that trophy, but you don't make the mistakes again. You see what I'm saying? I hear that. So there's more to it. It's not just, it's a trophy to my name. It's not just about that. It's about what you get from it and what you take into the next season or, or into the next tournament or whatever. So, yeah, um, elite, elite mindset is what we need. Bruno has an elite mindset. Cavani has an elite mindset. And if I'm honest, I think that's it. Yeah, Amani doesn't have one. Yeah, we 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 saw what he says. Uh, we said after the game today. We saw what he said last week. I'm tired of his excuses personally, but I don't want to get carried away talking about him too much. Um, again, he, I want to give him anyway. credit for today. <laughs> <laughs> be able to, I don't I don't want to get carried away with it. But today, I want to give him credit for bringing on Cavani at the right time, half time. I wanted to see Cavani half time. I said yeah. that he's not going to do it. I don't think Oli would make that change at half time. He's very we, we, Oli is usually reluctant to make changes. Stubborn, so the, stubborn. The 60th, the 70th minute, you know. So I'm surprised he came in at half yeah. time, but you've got to give him credit. It was a good change. It was needed. 100%. 100%. And um, yeah, so you can't fault him in terms of decision making during the game. Yeah. Um, even the first 11, it, it was a nice first 11. I think we're both happy with that. Yeah. Um, but the way you got question is the, the coaching. The coaching and what was our game plan today? If I ask you our game plan, what was it? Another sma- uh, smashing grab. That's just right. vibe, just vibe FC, isn't it? Just vibe FC. Just pray and hope for Bruno to do something. Bro, that guy carries our team. I don't know what word I can use to describe this guy. The way in which he... Dis- he um, like Xavier, our- Angel, St. Bruno. <laughs> it's, all, of the, all of those ones, isn't it? It's, it's going to come to an end at some point, And that is inevitable for me. And when it does come to an end, it might be the end of Oli. But... Um, yeah, so I just want to sort of summarise on that or sort of end it with this. For me, this season is Oli's make or break. There is no excuses. Um, he will get found out. He has, to some degree, has already been found out. Let's, let's mm. be honest, in the Prem. I know he's got some fantastic results away in the Champions League and I'll give him credit for that. But if, I want to put it this way, if he gets through this season and he ends up winning um, a domestic, I don't want to give him un- unrealistic um, expectations, but if he starts playing a brand of football that the fans can get behind and he starts getting points on the board and he gets through to the end of the season unscathed, I can get behind that even more. And I can think, you know what? He's now gone through three seasons, three and a half seasons, and he's still here and he does, he does pull out the bag. Maybe, maybe we might win something with him going forward. Mm-hmm. But my personal prediction is when we do come to the end of the season, I think he'll be gone. I just feel like his incompetence as a coach and as a manager will show the more we get into the season because he has a full season now. There was no lockdown, hopefully, um, to stop the season midway or towards the end. And he, the, the expectations will be higher than last season yeah. and um, win the Champions League now as well. Interesting thoughts, Sai. And obviously only time will tell how all that pans out. And uh, you can continue continue to join us here weekly, sometimes even twice a week. And uh, at Just Vibes FC, we'll continue to talk through all of these important issues that I'm sure yeah, everyone's, dying to, everyone's dying to know. What everyone do Kamal is, and Sai think about United's current, <laughs> current fixture? Mm. But uh, with that being said, next week, we are going to talk about... Is it next week, Kamal, looking to do it? We're going to talk about the Premier League... We're going to try, yeah. We're going to try and open it up. We're, not, we're going to try not to be limited by the uh, the by, by Man United. We're going to try and open up to a whole Premier League episode, aren't we, Sai? Mm, yeah, man. If we can get that through, uh, talk about predictions so far, our thoughts yeah. so far on the, on the season, um, who can potentially win it, 
and who will get relegated. I spoke, we spoke about relegation briefly anyway. Yeah. But um, I think I think the bottom half is looking quite interesting. It'd be you know, look at the likes of Leeds and you look at the likes of Everton, Palace, and these sorts of teams, and you think, will they get top ten? Because top ten, bro, it's not it's, it's not top six it's anymore. Big, it's, top a big, it's a it's a big ask. Exactly, the league is it's so competitive 10, now. Yeah, so I look at that top ten and I think something like Palace, who I think are a decent side on the day. They might not even get top 10. I don't think they will. I was thinking about this last night, but mm. we'll speak about that properly in our, in our episode and yeah. I'll give my predictions and you give yours and yeah. we'll see what the audience has to say about that. Hopefully they'll yes. engage with us on any of these platforms, Apple, Spotify, whatever. If YouTube, is, YouTube could be an option as well going forward, potentially, never know. Yep, yep, I hear that exactly. We can only continue to expand our media empire. But Definitely. in the meantime, uh, this has been episode four of Just Vibes FC. We've been your hosts, I'm Kamal. I'm Saif. Exactly. That's your name. That's your name, Saif. That's my name. (laughs) But in the meantime, everyone, as Saif said, we're hoping to do another episode uh, in the coming week. So we'll hopefully see you then. If not, we'll see you at the usual time next weekend. But otherwise, everyone, in the meantime, peace, take care, love and blessings.